This is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels along with the heavy metal rebel Frankie Kazarian and the violent delight Scorpio Sky. Collectively known as SoCal Uncensored or SCU. And this is the worst podcast I've ever been on. That's Casio's cut, y'all. What's up, Candy Lickers? Pleased to meet you. Nice to know me. What you doing? You listening to another edition of Casio's Cut. Lickers Unite, thank you for joining me once again on another edition of Casio's Cut Podcast. I'm your host, of course, Matt Mitchell, a.k.a. or B.K.A., better known as Casio Kid. Um, of course, I am radio host on Rocket 95.1 WRTT in Huntsville, Alabama, the Jimbo and Casio Morning Show, stand-up comedian and uh, touring across, so uh, be listening for tour dates around you, hopefully in 2020. And now, podcast host. And uh, thank you for joining me for another edition. Today, uh, we got a very special one. It's an idea I've had for a little bit. Um, and it's basically, I don't know what to call it yet, wacky Wikipedia, something like that. But it is some of the craziest Wikipedia articles out there. Sometimes, I don't know about you guys, I like to get my mind right. And if you're on the internet, it, don't, it doesn't matter what you're on, whether you're on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just surf, searching articles, uh, you know, YouTube as a huge rabbit hole, and Wikipedia as well. You could just keep going and going and clicking and clicking and not even understand how you end up some places. So I wanted to read to you, go over five of my favorite, creepiest, craziest Wikipedia articles and see what you guys think. Give me some feedback. If you know of some wild ones that you know out there, send them to me, and uh, maybe we'll do this again. Before we do that, let's do a little housekeeping. Be sure you follow us on social media, at Casio's Cut, at Casio's Cut on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Of course, Casio'sCut.com is where you can check out all of our episodes, previous and future, and bonus episodes as well. You can check those out. Um, all at Casio'sCut.com. Our merchandise headquarters is, of course, Casio's Cuts, with an S on the end. Casio'sCuts.com is merchandise headquarters. Just updated uh, that and uploaded some new merch, and we got some brand new merch about to pop this week as well. So we're rolling those out as fast as possible. And as always, encourage you to interact. This is our podcast together. So if you think of something you want on some merchandise or a particular type of merchandise that I don't have up there yet, 
let me know. We'll sling a logo on anything and uh, get it out to you. So be sure to check out Casio'sCuts.com merchandise headquarters do us a favor make sure you go over to the youtube and follow us there just type in casio's cut click subscribe like and listen and comment and interact with us on the youtube as well don't forget we've got a another p.o box episode coming up very very soon probably next week and or the week after Uh, so make sure you get those packages in now is the time to send those in You can do so. You can send anything. Mail anything to me. Casio's Cut, P.O. Box 19065. That is Huntsville, Alabama, 35804. That's Casio's Cut, P.O. Box 19065, Huntsville, Alabama, 35804. Mail anything. Stuff my box. Five of the craziest, funniest, wackiest Wikipedia pages out there. And, of course, after you get through listening to these, please interact with me. Send me your favorite Wikipedia pages. Maybe it's a recurring episode, Wacky Wikipedia. Our first one is a sad one. And if you want to check it out on Wikipedia, it's the saddest story ever told. And it is attributed to Ernest Hemingway. It is called... Well, I'll give you the setting. The claim of Hemingway's authorship originates in a story about a wager between him and other writers. And in 1992, a Canadian humorist, John Robert Colombo, and science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke says that while having lunch with friends at a restaurant, Hemingway bets the table $10 each that he can craft an entire story in six words, after everybody pitches in their 10 bucks, Hemingway writes down on a napkin six words for sale, baby shoes, never worn. He passes the napkin around the table and immediately collects his winnings. Unbelievably <laughs> sad story by Ernest Hemingway in six words. The May 16, 1910 edition of the Spokane Press had an article titled Tragedy of Baby's Death is Revealed in Sale of Clothes. At the time, Hemingway would only have been aged 10 and years away from beginning his writing career. In 1917, William Kane published a piece in a periodical called The Editor where he outlined the basic idea of a grief-stricken woman who had lost her baby and even suggested the title of Little Shoes Never Worn. In his version of the story, the shoes are being given away rather than sold. He suggests that this would provide some measure of solace for the seller, as it would mean another baby would at least benefit directly. Um, In 1921, the story was already being parodied. The July issue of Judge that year published a version that used a baby carriage instead of shoes. However, the narrator described contacting the sellers to offer condolences only be told only to be told that the sale was due to the birth of twins rather than a single child. So that made it a little less sad on that one. But the earliest known connection to Hemingway was in 1991, 30 years after Hemingway's death, uh, in a book by Peter Miller called Get Published, Get Produced, 
a literary agent's tips on how to sell your writing. He said he was told the story by a well-established newspaper syndicator in 1974. And then in 1992, John Robert Colombo printed a letter from Arthur C. Clarke that repeated the story, complete with Hemingway having won $10 from each of the fellow writers. Uh, So there you go. The general concept of telling a story with the absolute minimum words became known as the general term of flash fiction, and the six-word limit in particular has spawned the concept of six-word memoirs. You can look it up, including a collection of published in a book form in 2008. So the saddest six-word story ever told, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Next article on the list is Athletics at the 1904 Summer Olympics Men's Marathon is the specific event. The Men's Marathon at the 1904 Summer Olympics in St. Louis took place on August 30th, a 24.85 miles marathon. 32 32 athletes representing four nations competed, but only 14 managed to finish the race, which proved to be a bizarre affair due to poor organization and officiating. Instead of having the marathon begin early in the morning, St. Louis organizers started the marathon in the afternoon. Of course, this is the Summer Olympics, and temperatures during the marathon reached 92 degrees, humidity into the 90s, um, making the heat heat index during the marathon 135 degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. The race began and ended in the stadium, but the rest of the course was on dusty country roads with race officials riding vehicles ahead of and behind the runners, of course, creating dust clouds. The only source of water for the competitors was a well at the 11-mile mark. James Sullivan, the chief organizer of the Olympics, decided to allow only one water station on the almost 25-mile course of the marathon, even though it was conducted in the heat over unpaved roads choked with dust. His reason was to conduct research on, quote, purposeful dehydration. Even though dehydration is, of course, potentially fatal, the marathon ended with the worst ratio of entrance to finishers, only 14 of the 32 finishers. It was by far the slowest winning time of all, Three hours and 28 minutes, which is almost 30 minutes slower than the second slowest winning time. The stories of some of the rider, uh, some of the runners that finished the finish line were absolutely fascinating. If you want to read the article, uh, the first to arrive at the finish line was American runner Fred Lors, who had actually dropped out of the race after nine miles and hitched a ride back to the stadium in a car waving at spectators and runners alike during the ride. The car broke down at the 19th mile. So he went 10 miles in the car. He reentered the race and jogged across the finish line. After being hailed as the winner, he had his photograph taken with Alice Roosevelt, daughter of Teddy Roosevelt, the president at that time, and was about to be awarded the gold medal when his subterfuge was revealed. And upon being confronted by officials, He immediately admitted his deception, and despite his claims he was joking, the AAU responded by banning him from competition for life. Uh, He was reinstated in 1905, a.k.a. the next year, 
after he apologized for the stunt, and it was found out he had not intended to defraud. British-born Thomas Hicks of the United States ended up the winner of the event, although he was aided by measures that would not have been permitted in later years. Ten miles from the finish, he led the race by a mile and a half, but he had to be restrained from stopping and lying down by his trainers. From then until the end of the race, he received several doses of strychnine, a common rat poison, of course, but it does stimulate the nervous system in small doses. They mix strychnine and brandy. So whatever your favorite drink is at the bar, it's not as severe as strychnine and brandy that he received to finish the race. He continued to battle onwards, hallucinating, barely able to walk for most of the course. When he reached the stadium, his support team carried him over the finish line, holding him in the air while he shuffled his feet as if still running. The judges decided this was acceptable and gave him the gold medal. He had to be carried off the track, and he might have died in the stadium had he not been treated by several doctors on the scene. Uh, I just imagine him like the puppy that you're about to lower into the water, so he just starts immediately paddling his legs. He was just It was just muscle memory. He just knew what he was doing. Another near fatality during the event was William Garcia of the United States. He was found lying on the road along the marathon course with severe internal injuries caused by breathing the clouds of dust kicked up by the race officials' cars. A Cuban postman joined the marathon, arriving at the last minute. After losing all of his money in New Orleans, he hitchhiked to St. Louis and had to run the event in street clothes that he cut around the legs to make them look like shorts. He hadn't eaten in 40 hours. He stopped off in an orchid en route to have a snack on some apples, which turned out to be rotten. The rotten apples caused him to have stomach, stomach cramps. He had to lie down and take a nap despite, despite despite getting sick from the apples and taking a nap. He got up and finished in fourth place. Um, the marathon included the first two black Africans to compete in the Olympics. Two Swana tribesmen named Lin Tao and Yamasani. Lin Tao finished ninth. Yamasani came in 12th. This was a disappointment, as many observers were sure Lin Tao could have done better, quote, if he had not been chased nearly a mile off course by aggressive dogs. So there you go. One of the craziest marathon events ever in the 1904 Summer Olympics. Next is Terrer. I'm not going to be saying that right, but I'm going to call him Terrer. You can look up T-A-R-R-A-R-E on the Wikipedia he was a French showman and soldier noted for unusual eating habits. He was able to eat vast amounts of meats. He was constantly hungry. His parents could not provide for him, so he was kicked out of his family house as a teenager. He started traveling France in the company of a band of thieves and prostitutes before becoming the warm-up act to a traveling charlatan. He would swallow corks, stones, live animals, and whole baskets of full of apples then he took his act to paris where he worked as a street performer at the start of the war of the first coalition he joined the french revolutionary army with military rations unable to satisfy his large appetite he would eat any available food from gutters and refuse heaps but his condition still deteriorated through hunger he was hospitalized due to exhaustion became the subject of a ton of medical experiments to test his eating capacity 
I've been contacted before for mine, in which, among other things, he had a meal intended for 15 people in a single sitting. He ate live cats, snakes, lizards, and puppies, and swallowed eels whole without chewing. Despite his unusual diet, he was of normal size and appearance, showed no signs of mental illness other than what was described as a apathetic temperament. Then... Um, the military decided to put his abilities to use. He was employed as a courier by the French army with the intention that he would swallow documents, pass through enemy lines, recover them from his poop once safely at his destination, though he could not speak German. And on his first mission, he was captured by Prussian forces, um, severely beaten and underwent a mock execution before being returned to French lines. Yes, after they captured him, they were going to hang him. They put him all up in the noose, getting ready to hang him, and at the last minute, they took him down and just beat him. Well, that's not a fun uh, experience there. Uh, They said he was a small size and stature. He weighed only around 100 pounds. Um, He did, quote, have an abnormally wide mouth and his teeth were heavily stained and his lips were almost invisible. They said when he had not eaten, his skin would hang so loosely that he could wrap the fold of skin from his stomach around his waist. When full, his abdomen would distend like a huge balloon and the skin of his cheeks was wrinkled and hung loosely. And when stretched out, he could hold 12 eggs or apples in his mouth. His body was hot to the touch. He sweated heavily. He constantly had foul body odor and was described as stinking, quote, to such a degree that it could not be endured within the distance of 20 paces. The smell would get noticeably worse after he had eaten. His eyes and cheeks would become bloodshot. A visible vapor would rise from his body. He would become lethargic, during which time he would belch noisily and his jaws would make swallowing motions. He had chronic diarrhea, really, you think, after eating a live lizard, which said to be fetid beyond all conception, was the quote. Despite his large intake of food, he did not appear to either vomit excessively or gain weight. Aside from his eating habits, his contemporaries saw no apparent signs of mental illness. Um, there's many, of course, theories on why it would do it. Uh, he, why he would do it. Hyperthyroidism, uh, he was linked to it, but he did not have any of the other side effects of hyperthyroidism and many other milit- uh, many other scientific, uh, causes have been linked to him, but nothing of course has been officially linked. Um, He was desperate to avoid military service after, of course, he was taken down from the scaffold and beaten and released back near French lines. He decided uh, that he wanted to find a cure. He teamed up with Baron Percy, surgeon-in-chief at the hospital of the French Revolutionary Army, um, and he said uh, Percy treated him with laudanum without success He tried to drink wine vinegar and tobacco pills, which failed miserably. Then he decided to, the doctor decided to feed him large quantity of soft-boiled eggs. This failed to suppress his appetite. 
Uh, he would sneak out of the hospital to scavenge uh, outside from butcher shops. He would fight stray dogs uh, for meat in the gutters and alleys and rubbish heaps. He was also caught several times within the hospital drinking from patients undergoing bloodletting. Yes, he would drink their blood. And then he was also caught attempting to eat the bodies from the mortuary. Other doctors believed he was ill, uh, pressured to uh, transfer him to a lunatic asylum, uh, but he stayed in the military hospital. Not proven, but suspected he was linked to a missing 14-month-year-old child from the hospital. So he was kicked out of the hospital. It wasn't proven, but they suspect, unfortunately, that he was involved in that. And his death, uh, four years later, in 1798, uh, he contacted the chief army surgeon, Percy, Dr. Percy, uh, back again. And he was now bedridden and weak. He told the doctor that he had swallowed a golden fork two years earlier, which believed was lodged inside him and causing his current weakness. He hoped that the doctor could find some way to remove the fork. I mean, Ric Flair was born with a golden spoon, uh, but now he has eaten a golden fork, I guess, to rare. Um, He recognized uh, the doctor that he was not sick from a fork. He had had tuberculosis. A month later, he had, quote, continuous exudative diarrhea and died shortly after. The corpse rotted quickly, more quickly than others. Surgeons of the hospital refused to dissect it. Uh, one of the other military surgeons wanted to find out how he differed from the norm internally and was curious whether the golden fork was actually in him, of course. At the topsy, autopsy, his gullet was found to be abnormally wide and his jaws were opened. Surgeons could see a broad canal down into the stomach. His body was found to be filled with pus. His liver and gallbladder were abnormally large, and his stomach was enormous and covered in ulcers and filling most of his abnormal cavity was a giant stomach. And for the record, the fork was never found. Number four is a fun one to go over, and that that is list of death during consensual sex. Death can occur during consensual sex for a number of reasons, generally because of the physical strain of activity and because of unusual extenuating circumstances. And, of course, they have put together a list of some of the most notable cases. You have Attila. Everybody knows Attila, the Hun. Um, He died in March of 453. He died in the process of celebrating his wedding night with his new bride from a nosebleed during intercourse. Uh, Pope Leo died in 965 of a stroke while in the process of adultery. Pope John in 964, uh, one story relates that he died of a stroke suffered while having sex with a woman named Stefanietta. He may have died instead when the husband's woman, John, um, caught them, or he was also possibly, quote, Beat to death with a hammer during the act. Either way, that gets him on the list. Um, Lord Palmerston, the Prime Minister of the UK, died in 1865. Uh, Sources disagree about the immediate circumstances of his death, death, but it is rumored that sex on a billiard table with a maid precipitated to a demise. But this account is, of course, disputed. 
Others claim it was just pneumonia. Uh, Felix IV, president of France in 1895 to 1899, quote, died while receiving fellatio from his mistress. The cause of death was listed as a cerebral hemorrhage. Eyewitness stated he was in a state of partial undress, and this version, of course, is disputed. Um, you've got uh, great stories on here. It's a great list to go through. Um, it's fascinating. I shouldn't say great. It's it's fascinating. A woman in Houston died in 97 after she fell from a balcony in Los Angeles during sex with her boss. Um, in 1999, a Romanian soccer player died of carbon monoxide poisoning while having sex in a car uh, with his engine still running in his garage. Uh, You've also have uh, police officers dying, having a heart attack. A lot of heart attacks, including Nelson Rockefeller, um, who died of a heart attack. He was the heir to the Rockefeller family fortune. Uh, He was also vice president of the United States, died in 1979 of a heart attack at age 70, rumored to be caused by an orgasm during intercourse with his secretary. The New York Magazine in a quip said, quote, Nelson thought he was coming. But he was going. Uh, he had a cremation immediately after, so the, quote, exact cause of death was uncertain, but that's pretty sure what they think uh, that was happening. Uh, Jack McConaughey, the father of Matthew McConaughey, died of a heart attack in 92 uh, while having intercourse with his wife. Just a fascinating list, uh, so you never know when it could happen to you, but I agree that's got to be one of the best ways to go out. Last but not least... In our wacky Wikipedia edition, look up the city of fucking Austria. That's right. Fucking is the name of an Austrian village. If you want to check it out, it's north of Salzburg. Most famous for its four traffic signs with its name on them, beside which tourists stop and have their photograph taken. Of course, everybody wants their picture with a fucking sign. Uh, The best part about it is popularity and notoriety. Uh, quotes from the villagers are absolutely phenomenal because they are serious. The village is especially popular with British tourists. Tourists, a local tour guide, explain the Germans all want to see Mozart's house in Salzburg. The Americans want to see where the Sound of Music was filmed. The Japanese want Hitler's birthplace. But for the British, it's all about fucking. Augustina Lindelbauer, the manager of an area hotel, noted that the area had beautiful lakes, forests, and vistas worth visiting, but there was an obsession with fucking. (laughs) Linda Bauer recalled how she had to explain to a British female tourist that there were no fucking postcards around. The road signs were commonly stolen as souvenirs, the only crime which has been reported in the history of the village. It cost some 300 euros to replace each stolen sign, and the costs were reflected in the taxes that local residents have to pay in 2004, owing mainly to the stolen signs, a vote was held on changing the village name, but the residents voted against doing so. The mayor, Siegfried Hoppel, stated that it was decided to keep the name because it existed for over 800 years and further stated, quote, everyone here knows what it means in English, but for us, fucking is fucking and it's going to stay fucking.
after a spate of thefts, which included the thefts of all four signs in one night and a total of 15 over a period of several years. In August 2005, the road signs were replaced with theft-resistant ones, wielded to steel, and secured in concrete to prevent theft. Mayor Hopple said that officials were fed up with English-speaking tourists stealing the signs and noted with the newly installed signs it would take all night to steal one. Hopple said that tourists and the money they bring to the area were welcome, but locals were sick of replacing the road signs. Commander Schmitzberger, the local police chief, also hinted at other avenues to stop what he calls foreign criminals from disturbing order in the village. Regarding the other avenues, Schmitzberger stated, what they are, I'm not at liberty to disclose, but we will not stand for the fucking signs being removed. It may be very amusing to you British, but fucking is simply fucking to us. What is the big fucking joke? That's pretty priceless right there. A resident of the village, Joseph Winkler, attempted to cash in on the village's fame by setting up a website on which he sold T-shirts featuring the village road signs with the, with the slogan, I like fucking in Austria, printed on them. According to Winkler, they were selling well, and he was in negotiations with Maxim Magazine regarding possible promotions, but was forced to stop his venture after being shouted at and threatened in the street by locals. Winkler said, it was a bit of fun that didn't hurt anyone, but I found out in this region, you just can't do something like that. The whole thing became a real trial for me, and I had to stop. People are very traditional here. In July 2009, it was announced the village would install CCTV cameras and attempt to deter summertime tourists from filming themselves having sexual intercourse in front of the fucking signs. The resident of the village said that installing cameras around the village may make tourists think twice and instead choose only to have a photograph taken in front of the sign. Mayor Franz Mendel states, We don't find it funny. We just want to be left alone. We don't harm anyone and just want to live in peace and added that he would prefer not to see the village featured in any press anymore. In 2009, the European Union's OHM Trademarks Agency forbade a German brewery to market a beer called Fucking Hell. It appeared and was a it was appealed and was granted permission in January 2010 to market the beer. It claims the beer is named after the Austrian village fucking and the German term for pale lager, which is hell. Fucking wraps up our episode today. Want to hear from you guys? Follow us on social media at Casio's Cut, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Of course, my personal is at the Casio Kid. Let me know what's your favorite wikipedia sites and maybe we'll go through this again and get our mind right and have a good time on the old wikipedia rabbit hole thanks everybody for tuning in uh to this week's episode hope you enjoyed it next week we'll have a p.o box and uh i believe the week after that we've got the interview queen herself alicia atout so be sure you subscribe on whatever platform you've got, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or, of course, at CasiosCut.com.
Hey, if you can't get enough Casio, check him out at his real job. Yeah, the one that actually pays the bills. Listen to the Jimbo and Casio Morning Show live 6 to 10 a.m. Central on therocket951.com. Getting a massage. Never had one. We've had like a neck massage. No, I've never had a massage of any kind, except for when I got a pedicure once she massaged my ankles. Your ankles? Yeah. How was that? It's pretty good. You've never... <laughs> it's a pretty good feeling. You've never laid down face first and got the massage? No, never once. Why? Your game will change if you get a massage. <laughs> uh, maybe it would. I don't know. I could use one on my shoulder. See? Get you in here, lay you on the table, get some candles going, mm. get some baby oil on that back. Bow chicka wow wow. Huh? You didn't lay there in your towel? Just a towel? That's all I've got? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you brought your camping gear, there's going to be a tent. <laughs> Listen live online or download the Rocket app for your tablet or smartphone. Just search WRTT Rocket 95.1 in the Apple or Google Play Store.